Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me, and welcome to the Artisans of Steel podcast. I'm your host, Marek Malmasi, bladesmith and lover of Damascus. In this podcast, I speak to some of the most talented knife makers of our modern times to learn about them, their path, and their process. Come join me and my community of makers on Patreon, where I host live Q&As, where you have early access to interviews like these, and we're innovating daily on my private Discord forum. I look forward to interacting with you there. Welcome to another episode of the Artisans of Steel podcast. Uh, this is where I talk with some of the most talented knife makers in the world. I'm very thankful to have our guest today, uh, especially since he's so far away. Thank goodness for the internet. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to get in here and talk about our sponsors, uh, our super sponsors over on the Patreon. So uh, the Patreon is where this conversation happens live. Um, and you can be part of the conversation if you are uh, in the Patreon at the illuminated individual level or higher. You catch it live. You get to ask questions of our esteemed guests and be part of the conversation. You also get to be part of the live chat that's happening at the same time. Um, and it's just a, it's a unique opportunity to be able to talk to these people uh, firsthand. Um, because you don't really get that option and that opportunity very often. So without further ado, our sponsors this month, <clears throat> excuse me, are first off, we have Mr. Josh A. Weston. Uh, Josh A. Weston on Instagram. He's also part of Dragonforge Experience. That's at Dragonforge EXP. Uh, you can go actually, I think they're down at the Arizona uh, or sorry, the Phoenix Um what is it called? The Renaissance Phoenix Renaissance Festival. And uh, they've been down there forging with people, doing forging lessons. And if you have a chance to go check them out, go check them out. He's a great guy. The setup they have is super cool. They've fabricated these forges that look like dragons. They have at least three of them that I'm aware of that they have set up. Uh, the guys that are teaching the lessons and doing the, the forging classes are former Forge and Fire competitors. They're all good dudes. Uh, so go check them out. It's really cool. It looks like a, they're having a really fun time. And um, those forges, I love those forges. I want to get one of those forges or make one of my own. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Mr. Gabe Fletcher of Anchorage Brewing, also uh, who is the owner of Anchorage Brewing, but is also a budding knife maker. Uh, he's Anchorage Forge on Instagram. He's a great guy, uh, super talented. He comes from a background of doing all kinds of different work. Um, and it parlays quite nicely into knife making um he's picked up knife making skills techniques pretty quickly uh, i've gone and worked with him once before i'm getting ready to go work with him again uh in what is that march april and i'm looking forward to it because it's always a good time uh, he's got a great shop and uh i think we're gonna have some fun so go check out gabe uh over on either his anchorage brewing uh, or Anchorage Forge Instagram page. Uh, next up is Maritime Knife Supply. You can find him on Instagram. He is uh, at or Lawrence Lake is the owner, and it is at Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram as well as MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, they really are uh, the, the the supplier of knife making, whatever you need, uh, from anvils to grinders to hammers. Uh, and presses, I believe. Uh, they have carbide file guides. They have Kamimura, uh, Banky file guides. They have um, 
they they're the Canadian distributor of Broadback Grinders. Uh, they and they and they have handle materials, powdered steels. They have all the stuff you need. Uh, they just got a load of steel in right now. Actually, that looks really awesome. A lot of really good stuff in there, um, including uh, the new magnet cut. They got uh, some magnet cut materials. So go over to Maritime Knife Supply. Um, get in there. Get what you need. Uh, Lawrence is doing a great job trying to get materials and supplies to people at as reasonable of a price as possible uh, because he's a maker too. He's learning um, and and he's and he's doing the doing the work and he's he he doesn't want to nickel and dime people uh over silly stuff he he wants to help create a service for makers because it's hard enough as it is <laughs> so thank you lawrence go check out maritime knife supply all right next up is mr russell tinsley of oozle finch beers uh if you don't have oozle finch beers available at your local beer market go check them out or tell the beer local beer market buyer to go buy some and get some into the store because the beers are way outside the box, but also super delicious. All kinds of freaky flavors. Uh, I think the most recent freaky flavor I had was uh, some sort of it was peanut butter and something. I can't remember. But uh, <laughs> I never thought that I would be interested in drinking peanut butter, a peanut butter beer. It was delicious. I actually had more than one. So, um, yeah, what they're doing at Oozle Finch is really cool and creative. So go check out... Uh, russell's beer company oozle finch he's also can't make knives on instagram his handle is at can't make knives uh so go check him out and uh give him a follow and try to get yourself some of those beers all right next up we have mr michael poor of red dragon forge good dude uh i'm excited to have him down to my shop hopefully soon i'm gonna be getting the hammer in um little 68 uh pound and yang in the next, uh, I think the next few weeks, a couple weeks, um, I get it in, get it situated, and hopefully it's going to be a plug and play kind of situation, and then get the shop cleaned up a little bit, and then get some people over. And Michael Poor is going to be one of those guys because he's not far from me; he's only a couple hours north of me. Uh, he's very creative, talented maker, doing a lot of work, especially in uh, like a traditional Japanese style. He's done a lot of work with the Bells down in Oregon, um, and he he's. He's a good dude, and he's a good cook. I'm really excited to have him down to do some cooking and hanging out as well. Uh, so go check out Michael Pori. Again, he's Red Dragon Forge on Instagram. Uh, and next we have Mr. Brian Hennekamp. He's Tortuga Blade Works. Uh, if you go follow his Instagram, he's been doing a lot of cool um, kind of like tutorials about how he forges his blades, how he makes his sandwai. Um and some of the like the the special techniques he uses for kind of doing corrective forging and straightening out blades as he's moving through his process he's making some really great sandmai style knives hunters kind of uh in the in the vein of mr jason knight um and uh who he has learned from and so it's understandable um but he's making really great stuff so go check him out as well uh he's got a really cool sandmai actually i just posted up uh that um I really like i struggle with sandmai sometimes so it would be it would probably be useful to get together with brian and do some work because i need to i need to figure that out all right next up is mr tony sasma uh he's at tnt forge on instagram good man um he's been posting recently he's been posting about um uh just people using his knives there's nothing 
no better feeling than uh you know making a, a quality knife putting your heart and soul into it and then seeing it out in the world slicing and dicing and chopping stuff up he focuses mostly on culinary knives he makes all kinds of knives but he makes culinary knives and um and so he's been posting some cool uh photos of the knives being put to use in the kitchen uh he's got some blades too he's just forging up some new damascus um and he's getting some new blades going he does a phenomenal finish job so go go over and check out his instagram page uh he gets some really great finishes on his on his blades because uh, yeah i don't know it's exemplary he does a really high contrast it's awesome love it and then uh, next up is Mr. Eric Kidwell. Uh, Eric is kind of, he's been off and on in the knife making industry. He has been uh, working with Travis Wirtz for a long time, especially when it comes to taking video and videography at the at Travis Wirtz uh, Hammerin. And I believe he's going to be there again. I'm just messaging with him recently, trying to confirm that. But he's a great dude. Uh, he's getting his shop put together and back up and running. And, uh, and or I guess not back up and running, but he's building it up. Uh, he's going to get rocking and rolling. And uh, he's been a great support. Uh, go check him out on Instagram at district 202 LLC. Uh, there isn't a ton of knife making on there yet. But I guarantee he's going to be a, a good journey to be following because he has he has uh, a lot of good people to, to who can mentor him especially um very talented makers that go to the travis horse hammering and then finally we have mr ben butcher of amo blades that's amo bladesmithing actually at, on instagram and he is a guy just south of me he's down in oregon a couple hours south uh it's cool to have these uh sponsors who are near me because um I, I'm going to try to get, again, like I said about Mike, try to get these people together, get some of these people together who are near me or who are interested in traveling out for a little uh, breaking in the hammer, kind of hang out and forge situation. He's got a cool design that he just worked on. He just posted about the other day. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But he also does these, uh, he does these blade swap outs. He buys folders like commercially manufactured folders. I think uh, Columbia, where's it? Kershaw. Kershaw is close to him and um and so he goes and buys them and then he pulls the blades out and he swaps them out for like some really cool high carbon damascus uh mosaic damascus blades uh, and it's a really fun project to kind of just swap out those blades and take something that looks very simple uh, and make it something that's very aesthetically beautiful and uh, complex and so without further ado i just want to say thank you one last time to all the super sponsors and everybody over on the patreon as well uh, without their support, without your support, I wouldn't be able to put on this podcast and take the time to do this work. Um, and so I appreciate all of you. Don't forget also to go over to the Discord. We got a lot of people over in the Discord, uh, a lot of good conversations, people asking questions and helping each other out, looking for feedback, uh, showing, sharing tips and stuff like that. So go check out the Discord, um, which you can get to through the Patreon. Um, and then without further ado, I keep saying that. I want to introduce my friend Henning Wilkinson. I first met Henning, I believe, I believe it was 2019. He can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when he came over and introduced himself to me, uh, actually, I think one of the Aussies, I think it was Corn that introduced him to me, or maybe Kev, um, Kev Slattery. And um, 
anyway, somebody introduced him to me. It was great to meet him. I'd never seen him or seen any of his work before. And he handed me this knife that blew my fucking mind. Um, <laughs> because I, I was astonished that I hadn't already seen this level of work already. Uh, he comes from a background of gunsmithing, which we will get into as, as which in, involves being, I don't know if he would consider himself a master machinist, but he is extremely talented um, on all the different tools and machines he uses for his knife making. Uh, let's pull him in here right now. Um, and, you know, Henning, I just want to say thank you for coming on and chatting with me uh, and also for being an alum of the Artisans of Steel, po uh, not podcast, you're an alum now, but of the Artisans of Steel uh, calendar. I think it was uh, either the first or second year uh, when I was trying to think, you know, I, I uh, early on, I didn't know how many years I was going to do. And so right off the get, I was like, I got to get some of the best people, best work I've ever seen into this calendar. Uh, and you were definitely top of the list for me. And so I appreciate you doing that as well. Um, but how you doing over there? Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, man. I've been looking forward to doing this with you for, for a long time. I'm glad we yeah, we made a 2018 blade, and oh, okay. I don't know if you remember. I've still got a, you and Kev were. Oh yeah. Showing your muscles and you, and I took the that? corner. There. Can you remember that? <laughs> I do remember I'll, that. I'll send you the. Paper. Yeah. I don't and, think uh, you have to send it to me. I think I got it. I'm just working on pulling it up right now. Let's see. We'll pop it up on the screen when it gets uploaded. But yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was one of the best times my life. When we first met. That's right, yeah. That's right. Is that your first time at Blade Shell? Yeah, that, that was actually... I was... I think I was going on like six months. So I decided to do Blade Show and did it on a prayer, dude, and it just came together and it was incredible. Was really incredible time of my life wow just to make sure because yeah. so i just henning henning we're we're chatting with each other henning is down in south africa uh and i'm here in washington state in the united states i don't necessarily have the best service right now it looks like we both i mean the the stuff on the side says we have good service uh, but there might be a few breakups and uh and cutouts here and there um so we'll just we're going to go through this slow. We're just going to have a, a casual conversation. Uh, and if I need to clarify anything, don't, don't, uh, uh, hopefully you don't feel like I'm just interrupting you out of nowhere because <laughs> I'm just no, trying to make sure no, I, I'm no, hearing no. what you're saying. That's fine. I've, I found the picture, by the way, with your face nestled in between there we go. both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good time, man. Yeah. That was a real good so, time. So you, you were, you were saying that you had only been making knives for six months before you went to that blade show in 2018. No, no, no. I, I went okay. full time November before. So okay. Um, yeah. I I've been making knives 2000. Okay. Um. So yeah, tears, and then I started to go. Started to go again after about well off during during those six years, but not not I wasn't selling. So I 
wasn't really I gotcha. out there at all. And that then, makes sense. Um, yeah, then I decided to do Blade Show, and I didn't have much money, but it just everything just came together for me at that show. Yeah, um, interesting. Just, I'd be curious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just pulled in, into the knife community, and I was walking into the pit. Um, first time I walk in there, and somebody screams my name, and I'm like, who the hell is that? And it's Jason Knight, and told him about me, and all of a sudden, it was like, this guy knows my name. How the hell? It just... <laughs> I don't know. It just changed the whole, whole way. I was I was really daunted by the whole thing of being. Well, if he knows my name, I'm gonna have the best time of my life because then I don't care. And everybody just yeah. pulled me in and made me friends, and I loved it. it yeah, really, really. I, got I I will say I think that's one of the greatest virtues of the live shows. The days obviously like especially as you start to develop a name for yourself it's easier and easier internet through instagram or your website or a newsletter but the really hard part is breaking out and it sounds like that's what you were really struggling with and you decided to take the chance and go out the blade show you said you know you were pinching your pennies to get out and make it happen and you did was that like a breakthrough moment for you into the realm of knife making because to me like i said when i first saw it i was completely shocked that i hadn't seen anything like it before and you handed me like a full-on art piece that it if if it was any other maker with a big name it would be like a thirty thousand dollar piece if not more right and so i was just like oh my god i was kind of scared to hold it and look at it it was also <laughs> you know i was probably a couple drinks in it was late at night and in, in a poorly lit area of the of the uh the pit but um <laughs> it was a good time and, and it, but your work really shocked me and so um yeah so i would love to hear we're kind of get we're going to be jumping around i think in this podcast because we're just starting right off the bat okay. with blade show how we first met so i would be curious to know how how that worked out for you going forward after going to that first blade show yeah you see the thing is what happened and this was amazing i've my it's like you said the biggest my biggest problem was getting my name into the into the international market um, locally, I was pretty well known, and I, I could the local markets. It's very, very, very tough. Um, you don't get a lot of money for your souls. Really, not easy. Sure. So, so what had happened was um, I decided, and uh, I sent a bunch of pictures to Steve Shackleford, hmm. and I said to him, "If Blade Man can help in any way." I'd really appreciate it, whatever you guys can do. And about a month, about two weeks later, I got a, uh, a message from, and he said that he'd seen my work. I had no idea who the guy was. I had no idea. And uh, he asked me, what am I bringing to the Blade Show? Because he saw some pictures of myself and what I'm doing, and it might be interested in buying it. And I just finished what I did with um, some very, very tough uh, 
um, footwork on the on the handle. Okay. And it had a really nice feather blade. So I said, well, this is, I literally finished this today. What do you think? And he came back to me and he said to me, the only thing that came up in my mind was to, to ask him what blade was going to cost me. And I sold it. And he ended up basically cleaning off my table, literally taking oh, wow. everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were a good deal. The, that's what you were. He's like, yeah, oh boy, <laughs> I'm getting all of them. <laughs> he he didn't take that dagger. It was actually another godsend because I was speaking to a young man that was a young man, but he, I reckon he was about 30 years old and he was giving me the runaround. Hotel room, bring the knife. I'd like to have a look at it again in private. And went to his hotel room, which is if you. If you've never traveled internationally, you've got to figure out how to get there. I get there, I find, oh, no, no, we've left, we've gone to the pit, and then I took the whole knife and everything down to the oh, pit. And he at me and ignored me. And it was like, okay, he doesn't really want this piece. And then I had a piece there, and everybody was like, what have I made? And I started showing it to guys, and I had a really good reaction from it and got a lot of guys interested in my work, a lot of other makers. Yeah. Um, Jason and a lot of guys have been promoting me big time since then. I also had a, um, one of my hunters, my key old hunter, got into the uh, uh, Blade Show, Blade magazine, like on the front page of the sure i don't know the, the blade section in, yeah, in the blade and blade. yeah and that helped time as well so from it's just exploded it's just become i i i look back at it and i and that, that's why i'm so thankful and i'm always thanking god for my work and thanking him for what i'm doing see how he's just changed everything because this whole right. thing has just been an amazing journey, my friend. I'm telling you that I, I can't, I can't believe that I've done what I've done in the knife trade. And no. there's no blessing. There's no, I mean, it has to. It's opened so, so many doors opened, and it just, they just keep opening. I was yeah. literally on Monday morning. I was thinking, the things are slowing down. It's not like more and I get a message from my friend Mareka and says, Hey buddy, don't you want to be on my pot? Here we go. It's picking up again. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Yeah, that place yeah. just opened so many doors. And then we had of course we had COVID and I was stuck over here. I couldn't go anywhere. I had to sure. watch you guys have all the fun at Blade Show because then we had Blade Show West added and uh, Texas came along and we had that added and and then last year when we could go back um out there as much as I could yeah um and then I winning that prize for yeah it was best fighter right just, yeah best fighter in life 
And uh, yeah, my my award says best fighter, just be because they finally realized that I am the best fighter at Blade Show. So it's like, don't <laughs> this guy can fight. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's like that just blew the doors off. Um, guys, I, I mean, I, I just started two key holes on Friday. I posted two, two really, not even, you can't even say, say that they are knives and they're already guys that have, and to be able to do what we do on a daily basis, I stuff it is, it's worth it, man. Yeah. It's worth it every second. It's just amazing. And I wake up in the morning and I still pinch myself. But what can be better than this? <laughs> That's good. That's great. So yeah. let's back up now. Yeah. And so your tell tell us because I'm not very familiar with South Africa and and what it's like to grow up there. Um so what was it like for you growing up there? And what was your childhood like? What what kind of work did your parents do um, that kind of got you on the path that you're on? Or what are some of the some of the steps that led to where you're at now? Um, I understand you were a gunsmith before you got to knife making. If if I, I might have yeah. that mixed up, uh, and the, but what were you yeah, doing no, before yeah. that? And where did, did you go to school for machining that led it to the gunsmithing? So, you know, what was childhood like? No. How did you get to where you're at? I grew up in a small, small little town. Um, it's in pretty much in the in the middle of Gauteng, which is a, a it's a it's to the north of Africa, to the north of South, South Africa. Okay. And um, it's a really tough little. If you can, if you can't fight before you walk, walk you're going to be in trouble in this town. We grew up tough, and um, mm. But it was um, the thing is, I my dad, and uh, he's one of the best in my. Just look at the stuff that he does. Hold on a second, <laughs> my son's just coming. Yeah, sort of talking. Mm, get, get out of here. <laughs> um, so, my dad's one of those guys that he use any tool. He just didn't mm. care. Um, I, I think my. On a on a metal lathe, something similar to the one behind me. Yeah. Um, at about, I remember doing my first paid lathe job at the age of ten, machining little parts for guys that were making CD racks. And I bought myself a bicycle. So I was working a lathe when I was about seven and eight, and um, record for getting archives at the age of four. Right. <laughs> because he did the work. So my dad always used to say, you know what, if he cuts his fingers off, he's not going to die from it. He'll just learn and let him play. <laughs> so we were, right. <laughs> we were always in the shop doing stuff for extra money. Yeah. Um, and we'd be helping him. To this day, I hate putting away tools because that was my job. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is, but... Um, we were always busy with, with, with something. Yeah. Then I went to high school and 
I did a lot of woodwork. My dad sort of quit his job and we started a woodwork factory. And there is, mm. if any of the machines broke, it was basically, it would come down to me or my brother. Next. Um, and uh, there I, once again, learned an immense amount about machining. I came to understand the finer points of it. And then after school, when, when I left school, the situation in South Africa changed big time. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't look, uh, I could go and study at a university for uh, a physiotherapist. And about halfway through my final year of matric, the end of matric, they sent me a letter stating that, unfortunately, due to the new quota system, which was race governed, I won't be able to come and study. And, and it, it, because I've done all the work and now I've, I've got to deal with politicians to get. So I got, got really rebellious and I was like, well, then I'm going to go and join. Um, worked there for about two years, and then that, that drove me nuts. And then, and there was a, a, a guy that I'd met in the gun shop, and he said to me for an, an apprentice. And I don't think it was a month, and I was a gunsmith apprentice. Okay, I did that for about two years. As I was about to qualify. Once again, the government got in the new gun laws, which were absolutely nuts. And the whole gun trade inside for about six years. But during the time I was doing my gunsmithing, gent that was always coming in to have alterations done to his guns, a folder, and it was uh, it was an Emerson Commander. I don't just on the top where you pull it out of your pants and it opens up. Right. And, and I was just like, I just got it. And uh, I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, Dan. At that stage, my, my my salary was about 1500 and my get to work was about, about 1800 bucks. So mm-hmm. there was no, there's no way of me to purchase that. So we've got the, family thing if you can't buy it make it right i started uh, um, talking to guys about it there were guys that were selling some of their knives and one guy and uh i spoke, spoke to him and he said to me you know um come to the uh, uh no sorry I, he said to me for a blade but it was too small to do the emerson commander and I started fixing. I even got this guy to loan me his knife, and I took it apart and I drew it out, set out so that I knew how to to build it. And um, during during that time, um, a friend of ours told me, brother-in-law is a knife maker in the South African Knife Makers Guild, and he lived like, which is about I don't know, two and a half miles away. Oh, wow. And, and uh see this guy, and we spoke, and he said to me, you know what? You should come to the uh, South African Knife Makers 
steel choke. There'll be guys there that'll be selling steel and handle material because I was resisting at G10 handles and sure. titanium liners and and you just it wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the show. The guy that I met, his name's Carl Smith. Now, he wrote a book on, in my opinion, still one of the best knife made or Damascus manuals out there because he's a primary school teacher and it's written oh. in the way so that even a primary student understand how the, the patterning works and how the forges work and and all of that stuff is there yeah and uh anyway so i go to the show takes me over to a guy um iterate gian ferrari which is a um south african that that make the most unbelievable and it, it blew my mind i was like this is this is something totally different this is more than what i've ever seen and i couldn't get those knives out of my out of my head he had this one knife he <laughs> get these little hand models and he got this thing set up in this this thing it's a fold like i don't know 10 inches long the whole, okay. whole thing and it's sitting in there and it's all dragonfly i see it now and it's absolutely beautiful and i went to it for this knife and i um i came home and i, I started and i, I bought bob tezola's book on night is also a brilliant book for somebody yeah. that wants to begin to make folded and i got the folder perfect and i was really, really happy right. with it and i went to carl and i showed him the thing and he looked at me Dude, what was the what what drove you to make this knife and i said oh um, i said to me did you enjoy the stainless work because it was a stainless blade all of it polishing that piece of stainless it was the most most irritating work that I've ever had to do. Sure. And he said, don't you want to come and we'll forge out a blade? And I was like, yeah, because I showed my folder to a guy and he wanted me to make, that would be awesome if I could come out and forge out a blade and then finish it as, as a chef's knife. And picked up the next weekend, bought some gas and, and the first blade, I've, still, I've got it up in my shop every now i think it's just fallen down and it's just behind my table but i've had a bunch of guys over to come and forge blades at my house i've never feel like i screwed that thing up it was ridiculous <laughs> it was two mils thick and there was nothing left and then carl forged the blade and he showed me how to do it and then we, we forged the same and i went home and i made this chef's knife mm-hmm. and we hard blade warped and we he showed me how to straighten it and i was like this is cool because this, because one of my stainless knives blade warped and i broke the th- thing trying to fix it. this is this is like it's alive sure. and uh got the chef's knife done and carl said to me you know what the next step is you gotta come and make a piece of damascus mm. i've got it. And I went back 
the next weekend, packed up some 5160 and K600 because that's all we had over here. We didn't have any. Okay. Really. And um, we forged for the whole of that Saturday. I was I was hooked. I I literally spent two years building a press and building forges and getting them oh, to wow. work and, and that was just I couldn't stop because I just couldn't. And um, I'll never forget my best friend Jurgen came out to help me build it, and um, I was under the impression that you could get better well hit the material. So you got to hit it with something. You got to hit it. With with okay. a four-pound hammer or something. I spoke to Carl and I said to him, are you going to use your treadle hammer this weekend? And he was like, no, I'm coming over. I'm going to bring it to my house and then I want to forge some bullets. Yeah, okay. So I went and got this thing. And inside this wood, I was forging bullets. And I was like, the more the ears, the better. It's like, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's like you gotta... every time I would hit a weld with that treadle hammer, Jurgen would look over my shoulder like this, fry his face with <laughs> oh. <laughs> He was burnt all over. <laughs> I was like, "You want to make some masterpieces?" He goes, "Yeah, I'll come and help you, but as long as you don't burn me." So I made my first piece of piece of steel. And uh, I actually screwed it up because I wanted to make a dagger. Okay. Since I saw air trays and every dagger, that was the one thing that I wanted to make. Sure. And to um, steel, and I saw what Bertie Retail did. I was like, I can do that. That's pretty easy. I understand the, the mechanics behind squeezed some stuff that I've welded together with lines in it and I put this got lines spoke to Carl and he said to me how, how do we do this and how do we do that and I was like and I ended that came out really really nice okay and Carl said releasing my book at the at the next guild show do anyone want to come and sit there with me yeah okay because these guys are going to be I mean, these guys have all tested. You pay your fee and you're in. You've got a pan in a bunch of knives. Yeah. And it's really well made. And I just could never get rid of the bug of making them. I never could. It was one that I would, I, I would still to this day, if you tell me, dude, yeah, but I'd rather make the mask. It's, it's more sure. fun. It's, it's weird. <laughs> that material and opening it up and putting it in a fairy can game. Yeah. I made that. And it's amazing. Um, and uh, so what happened was I came back from honeymoon and I decided I'm going to join the guild. And I made knives and got into the guild. And uh, I made, I don't know, but I wasn't, a full-time maker. I was doing it as, as a part-time thing. It didn't really go well. My stuff wasn't selling. Um, to really sell knives at shows. Guys would come to me afterwards and I would have to bargain. Some 
Sometimes I would just trade this stuff for other stuff. And and I was definitely, my head was a little bit too big for my shoulders back then. Definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah very few guys that were making Damascus in South Africa. And I thought, dude, this stuff's amazing. Why is my shit not selling? Sure. And uh, guys, stuff that's made out of Damascus and go, well, my stuff looks very similar to theirs. And um, I remember going to a guild show and they had uh, a bunch of David Durham's books there with the, the, for the folding knives. Okay. And back then, I, was a, I would just turn the pages because it was just like, I want to see what the next guy did. I want to see what the next I remember opening up this book and finding Steve's work. Mm. That that hunting scene, and I go and never reading the description, going, okay, so this guy knows how wax etching works. What the brilliant! Well done. You just drew a little picture of a man with wax, and, and then you etched it. And <laughs> why is it in here? I would skip it. And I, I think I had that book for about three months. Stuff, and I started reading it. And, and I got to the, the section on bat and welded steel. Yeah, this stuff. And I see, but this is written by Steve Schwarzer. I thought, but he's that guy that section. And I went back to that, that section and I read that article or that plane that that yeah. there is Damascus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I looked at the sizes and I was like, this thing, that little picture is the size of my thumbnail. It was like a bomb went off in my head, and I realized, you know what? There's more to making Damascus than just taking a bunch of shit and welding it together and grinding into it or twisting it up. And right, it was just this. Okay, I need to what makes this stuff so amazing. Sure. And she said, I went nuts because. <laughs> The pattern that I wanted to do right after that was to do it. And I think, I think I did, I must have done 40 pounds of feather that I just dumped and threw away. The feathers, the, yeah. didn't look like a feather. The stuff didn't look like a feather. And I would throw it away off center. And, it would do, and every time I'd do an adjustment and go, okay, I need to do this and I need to do that. Reading up about it and guys were saying, no, but they use 15 and 20 and 1085 or 10. This I'm gonna get this material. It's the material. It's not me. It's the material. And I got like forty pounds of, of fifteen and twenty, and I did a feather, and it was like it's not, not the material. It's you. But the thing is, the moment I got it right, it was like okay, I want to chase the tough stuff because the amount of payback from doing tough stuff that's what my real payoff it's not getting a guy to buy my stuff it's the payoff isn't doing that, that no one else can do or, right. or the how the hell did you do that i love that how did yeah. you do that <laughs> it's like, i live for it you got it it's amazing um your stuff 
course makes me go squint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate. I know. I see your comments on my posts, and you're like, my brain's hurting again. <laughs> I'm like, ha ha ha, yeah. good. <laughs> so yes. So I um, I did the knives back then, and I would do them. And um, I think as a knife maker that does that wants to do knives, I'm not saying that your stuff or anybody else's stuff is low end. Don't get me wrong, but knife stuff, you can't do it like that. You've you've literally my stuff wouldn't sell. The stuff sure. would just sit in the safe. If I'd make them, I'll take them to a show. Ooh, ooh, oh, that's really nice, and then. That's where it stayed. And we actually sort of lost the woodworking factory during blackouts. It was the first time that it happened in South Africa. Okay. Nobody knew what was going to ha happen. And um, I lost. Uh, we walked in the Monday morning and the order book was cancelled. I'm sorry, but anyway, I um I decided. Well, the only other thing that I can do is make knives. I've got to work and make knives. Yeah, and I started making knives. It went well. Actually, looking back at it, it went really well. I wasn't. I was. I mean, you know how hard work it is. I mean, early in the morning and you in the forge for the whole day. And then you're like halfway there. And then the next day, it's you get into the grinding room and you've got to grind the whole day. And then hand sand. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> they, they say that it's a grind. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you got to get these yeah. things out and they've got to be perfect. <laughs> right. And then standing at my bench on a Friday afternoon. No, sorry, it was a Saturday. And my wife came in and she gave me a look. And I just, that Friday, I just cleared the bills. Paid, um, got in a bunch of money in. And, and uh, just of all the bills that had to be paid by next week, Friday. And just went, you know what, God, you say that you'll take care of me. This isn't taking care of me. This is bull. And I walked to my, my garage door that day. That door can still open is a wonder. Because I, and I walked out of the out of the shop and I went and sat in, in the house and my wife said, hurt. I said to her, what do you mean? She says, that's the only time you stopped working for the last six months. I'm not hurt, but I'm but she could see that there was something wrong. Yeah. And the Monday morning and he had bought enough stuff from me to pay all the bills on for some reason, when we walked out the door, I said to him, do you maybe have a job for me? And when I said it, I was like, where the hell did that come from? Working for him and I had more money that I could. I, I mean, I, I brothers bills. I paid everybody's bills. It was like, now I'm getting what the world This is what the world tells me. This is what it has to be. And and now I've got it, so I was happy. 
going all over South Africa. I was work, yeah. working in the world trade, so you had to go where the work was. Away from home on a weekly basis and for weeks on end, weekends, maybe if I'm lucky. Um, I had a rule that said, if I can, I sleep. You drive, I don't know, I would wake up and drive down to Durban, which is a, I don't know, 600 and 700 kilometers, do some work, wow. sleep in a hotel, the next morning, drive back to Pretoria, do a job, and next morning, drive to Bloemfontein, which is about the same as, it's also about 600. By the end of the week, I always use this as an example, when you talk company and they, they know your voice because you're trying to book a book, book a, a, a service, actually phone this lady that receives a thousand calls a day and you phone her and she goes, hi, Henning, how are you? You need to say how it was. It was like three times a month. Right. And, and I just slipping into this hole. Mm. I had told me I should have, but I was, I was losing my wife. Losing my kids, my son was growing up. My daughter was growing up without me. I was never in the way I should be as a father. Sure. And going uh, to a job and realizing that I don't have enough money to pay my truck. And I said to him, "Listen, can I sell? Can you sell my truck?" And he was like, "Yeah, I sell the truck for you. It's not a problem." And I remember. Driving, I said, God, how do I sort this out? What do I do? I, I don't want to lose it. And God just said to me, I, I heard him, or in my soul, I don't know where, but he said to me, just do a Damascus course. Some stuff. So I thought, well, what have I got to lose? There's nothing to lose. And I, I, I created a post and I said, anybody interested in doing a Damascus? This course it's going to cost you what would that be about three hundred dollars for a, a forge. I'll be doing all the forge work, and you guys can watch me, and we'll we'll go through all the patterns. That, and um, by I don't know, not to say to guys, sorry dudes, I don't have space for you, and I, I booked two courses, and. All my money was just went off. Doing that first yeah. course, and I did a, I did a multi blade with, um, and uh, centipede in the middle. And you're working. There's no time to. I mean, you've done count of like hammer ends and stuff. You know what it's like when there's twenty guys. Buying for your attention, it's this right constant stream of. By the end of the day, your brain's dead. You can't even think anymore. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was I just finished forging this thing. The shape it was looking like a. It was a small, and I took the grinder and cleaned it up, and everybody just left me. Now I. To this day, I don't understand that, but that was, in my opinion, away from me. And I, 
Sorry, man. You're good. Stuck that blade in the ferry. And I pulled it, and for the first time in six years, I was alive. Mm. This is what I need to do. Yeah. This makes me feel alive. Right. And, and uh, the course was over, got everybody out of this. And during that time that I was working over holidays and weekends, I was with no limits to them because I wasn't going to sell them. They were mine. I was making them for myself. And um, sure. a good friend of mine, Rian Manso, who, from Three Leg Dog Knives, I actually got him back in the day when he had some trouble. I was like, dude, here's some steel. He bought a grinder making knives. and He's also now a full-time maker. But he said to me, why don't you come do a Brooklyn Knife Show, which is um, Nielsen about from Black Dragon Forge hosts. Mm-hmm. And back then, the Brooklyn Knife Show was more for like like the weekly. Really, uh, they're not the, the guild members. They're not the... They, they just sell. It's like flea market knife type. I'm not trying to take a hit at any, any of those guys. Please don't get me. Sure. And I was like, you know what? Why the hell not? Yeah. Let's do this. And I, that sword, that short sword. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to make this thing spectacular. And I, I, I handle and I made the guard so that it had these... Um, and I did a pommel with a round pommel with a round piece of like a neck. And I um I still remember standing there, standing there, making yourself a really, really nice sword at the moment. Yeah. It's gonna sit in your safe. And the whole time it was like, Yeah, but you know what? I'm gonna put everything into it. I'm not just gonna leave it. Piece that got my new maker's mark, that cross. I put that in right. there. And um, I went to the show with Rian, and I had probably over the course of I don't know eight years sold. I've never sold pieces at a show, so I wasn't. I had two okay. hunting knives, like a design that I've been sitting in my head for years that I made, and I had a fort, and I had a nice back with a feather blade. Um, man, my mouth's just getting dry. You're good. And I put this down on my table. And I was, I, I was, I was chatting to knife makers and uh, collectors and come around to my table and hold the sword and just had a real ball. And this mm-hmm. one collector kept on coming back to my table. Kept on coming back to my table table and yeah. asking me for pricing what what would the price be if i take everything off your table and i thought was like, really and i said to him, you know what i, I don't i'm not going to give you more discount you want to take it you don't want it done and he stuck his hand at him and he said i'm taking all of it and it was just this unbelievable feeling of Freedom. It's like stuff. Suddenly, sure. this guy just bought my stuff. Wow. And uh, I came home and I said to my wife, "I want 
want to do full-time knife making. Oh, I want... She said to me, yeah, you tried it before and it didn't really work. I was like, yeah, you're right. And the people that I was working for sort of slowed down because there was a lot of guys that came into the market and they sort of cut us, cut our price. I wasn't as busy as I used to be. Mm -hmm. So on the days that I didn't have work, I would be, I was, I decided that I was going to do the first, the guild show for the first time in six. And, and I decided that I was going to um, do some really, really nice. And I ended up making a sword, another sword for a guy. Um, gladius, but a, I think they call it the Hispanensis. It's a long, it's a long broadsword with a four bar blade sure. and really, really, mm -hmm. really nice stuff. And one of the guys there said to me, dude, you should do a keyhole. I was like, this is so cool. And <laughs> a week before Blade Show, or before Guild Show, I was done with all, and I was really tired and I was lying on the, on the couch and I took my phone and and I said, and this thing popped up, and I was like, you know what? If I could find somebody with, with a, that keyhole for me, I reckon I, I could fit that. Mm. I, I think I've got. And um, my apprentice, which is also my, he's also my Wilkinson, uh, he phones me up and he goes, I've got a buddy here that wants to come and see your knives. It's like, dude, I, it's not even. 20 seconds later, my phone rings. <laughs> and a uh, guy pulls up. Forget it. I call him Justin Stinkerton. He's Justin Pinkerton. This guy's got hair like this. He's got like, call him Mike because he looks like a microphone. <laughs> He's black. <laughs> Push your head. Yeah. He comes and has a look at my knives and we're standing there, we're chatting. And I go, and I said to him, What do you do for a living? He says, I said, My dad's tool and die making shop. I said, Do you have a wire cutter? He goes, Yeah. He says, no, it's standing there. It's been standing for three weeks. We've got no work for it. I was like, and I quickly drip the picture. And I'm like, do you think you can cut that for me? And it's like, yeah. And the Monday morning, I got in the shop at like four. And I, I had some really, really the, the mosaic Damascus that I did. And I made this thing. Yeah. And I afford to him. And I said to him, okay, dude, there you go. And that afternoon, he phoned me back. He says, I've got your, I've got your thing cut already. And the next morning, I started fitting that thing. And I worked it out. I had about, it's about $600 now in handle material that I had is that I screwed up on. On that keel. Oh <laughs> boy. The last, last nice piece of wood, I got it right. And I figured it out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and pressing it in. And, yeah. like, and eventually, no, no, no. There's, there's another way of doing it. We do with, with gun barrels. You just got to fit it, take your time, and fit it and get it in there. And uh, I went and did my first, bla my first guild show in six years. And, I mean, the, the South African knife makers have got an incredible high standard of knife making. Sure. I mean, there's I, guys I over here that, that are 
they have to be discovered. There's new kids on the block. Um, Skonix now could use stuff if you can. It's it's spectacular. This guy's uh, he's, he hasn't even made and his stuff is brilliant. It's really really good. Uh, he's not even in the guild, not even close, but his work is spectacular. It's really really. So you go to the guild show and there's a bunch of extremely good makers. I decided to, I think I, I gave in for judging, for judging for prizes. And I ended up winning. Um, I sold out all the knives I had on my table, except one, uh, which was a big bow that I'm made also a nice feather bowie and, and um the guy that had bought, bought most of it um i spoke to him on the come and deliver your blades he said yeah sure come around on thursday and you can drop them off and now i really want to go full time and i said to my wife you know what i'm gonna go full time i'm gonna do making and she was like get an order book get an order book with some orders in I'm like, okay, I'm going to get an order book. I'll get some orders and then we can talk about it. I go and deliver these yeah. knives. And on the way there, or before I leave here, I just phoned the guy for me to come out there. And he was like, yeah. I said, do you have any other things that you want to sell? I said, yeah, I've got that big bow. Oh, I thought that was sold. And I found out afterwards, I looked at a picture that a guy posted. Sold tag from the knife in front of it made it look like that piece was sold. So I took him this oh. <laughs> and then he said, you know what? I want you to make me a sword like the one you had at the show, but something better. I was like, okay, I need a budget. You need to give yeah. me an idea of what you want to spend and, and uh, wait for a week. He'll phone me in a week's time and let me know. So, okay. So I get up. This guy wants to give me, he wants me to make him a sword. That's going to be a big build. There's going to be a lot of bucks in it. So is that an order book or what are we talking about? And she said, no, 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 that's not an order book. We need like a four months worth of work. I was like, okay. And um, I just couldn't do the work that I was doing anymore. Yeah. Just, I'd be nuts. It was just... And I remember he said to me, he'd phone me on the Wednesday morning job um, on that Wednesday. And everything on that job, that car crashes, we had a lady fall with a motorbike and just nuts. And I drove home and I was in this weird mood and I was like, you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm just going to jump. I'm just going to jump, jump into your hands and I'm going to start making knives. I got yeah. home and I said, well, I'm quit. I'm going to phone this guy and I'm going to quit. And she looked at me with this, oh, wives do that with this apprehension in of This was like, are you nuts? Are you out of your Right. And I just knew I had to do, do it. And this guy hasn't phoned me yet. We're talking about this like seven in the evening. When is he going to phone? And, um, Anyway, I phoned my boss and I said, listen, I quit. 30 days, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. 
anymore. And um, I went and I like a full glass. And halfway through it, my phone rang. This guy said, I want you to make me a sword and I want to give you a budget of about $10,000. I burst out in tears. I was broken. Yeah. And his reaction was, cry. I'll phone you back. I'll explain to you what's going on. Dude, it took me two years to make his, to make his sword and deliver his sword. Everything I made just went out the door. Everything I made, oh. every, everything I touched. And it's been like, like a, everything I make, everything I do, it just, it's easy. It's done and I design a knife and half an hour later, I've got what I want. And I start making it and it just falls together. I mean, I think I've had one crack blade in four years. The rest sure. of it. That's good. And I just, just love it. It's just such a journey. It's such a awesome thing. Because you, I mean, you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and you get to play with your passion. I mean, yeah. My buddies phone me up and they go, hey, uh, you work? Like, what do you mean, no? I haven't worked in like four years, buddy. Working. I'm retired. I'm at home. I'm playing. I'm doing what I love to do, and it's not work all day. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's basically the story of all the shorts became a full time knife maker. Right. No, that's great. Yeah. There's a. It sounds like there is some, a, a lot of serious ups and downs. Um, roller coaster ride but i'm glad you're in a more steady space it sounds like now um but sometimes yeah, honestly i think people think that you're gonna get somewhere spectacular by just walking a flat line and that's not how life works like it it is an up and down and the trick is being yeah dude it's being in the mental space and maybe not even always being ready but being able to somehow roll with the punches as they come as you hit those you know those those troughs and the, those valleys and those peaks you know peaks are great you know they're high and they're fun and you can ride them for a little while but then you're back down at a bottom again and that's just how life works and that's in in this industry that's definitely I, I don't know very many stories honestly or any stories of people who just like they hit it and then just it's just smooth sailing from here on out it's it's not like that for anybody. And I hey, dude, I'm not saying that, that it was smooth sailing. It's been easy. No, no, no. I'm not saying that you were. I'm not saying that you were. No, no. no. Yeah. No. What, what I'm you've got to if you do something and you just you're gonna get by for the rest of your life. That's yeah. what you're gonna do. If you get your ass in gear and take on the stuff that no one wants to take on, do the fits that no, nobody wants to fit, do yeah. the piece of steel that nobody wants, nobody even thought of. Or um, Neil van has got this rule: number one is don't fuck up. In my, my shop, rule number one is let, let's see how far I can push this thing. So that it, every time you screw up, you learn something. Mm. Every, every time that pattern isn't 
exactly what doing something. Yep. And I, yeah, I prescribed to that. Getting, I was in so much more work than what you get paid for in the beginning. <laughs> I stole my stuff worth more than what I'm charging for it. But my payoff is, is like I said, daily basis. And if you if you push yourself to the limit and screw up all the time. And all day pushing yourself. I don't see how you cannot make it in this. It makes everybody look at you and it looks at your work and, and says, you know what? It's different. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, I think that's the whole from the start is to do, to do the tough stuff. It's like I said to you, it's like I got it right in the end. That was like, okay, I need to do this. I need to keep, keep keep on seeing how far I can push it and what I can do with what I've got. Uh, and I, I love that about it. I love the fact that, that we, as knife makers, not just knife makers, but as human beings, are made in such literally... Um, sorry, I... But a mosquito that wants to jump. That we can. <laughs> there are no limits for us. My, right. Um, uh, on the back of it, it says, um, "Only limit is his perception of what he thinks he can and cannot do." Mm. And because if right. you, if you really go out there, and, and I mean, dude, I'm finding your stuff. Um, Rian Munster sent me this thing about uh, one of your Patton Welded Wednesdays. Okay. And I remember going on Instagram and I looked, who is this guy? What is he doing? All this battening away, just like that. How is he? He's... Dude, I couldn't wait for Wednesday to roll around because I just wanted to see what you were doing. Sure. Is, is you you were and you still are pushing your cutting edge of creating a piece of steel that blows people's minds. I, I don't even know what you call it. That weird weave that you do every time you do it. Oh, right. And the first time you did it, I was like, holy shit, does he get? How does he even start to think of that to get it? That's why your stuff is special because it's, I mean, everybody can do an S grind. Everybody applies himself for more than a week and figure out how to do an S grind. I mean, I've walked and teach my apprentice Gareth how to do it. Everybody can do it. (laughs) If he can figure it out, it's easy. It's like when you shape a handle, you can see the effort that's gone into that handle. Sure. You can see this guy didn't handle. This was, there was time taken and care taken. And I think if you, if you're a knife maker and you want to make the same knife every weekend for the rest of your life or every week for the rest of your journey, that, that's what you want to do. But I don't want to be on that journey. I want to, I want to see how far I can take. Sure. I look at the 
I look at the stuff that, I mean, we were in the, we were in this little bubble and you could just see what the other guys were. Then the forums came around and you started seeing what the American guys and the rest of the world are doing. This, these guys are a little bit further than ladder pattern. This is like, <laughs> and then we got these bunch of books from that was like, holy shit, look at what these guys are doing. And you started getting this real, like a renaissance growth in South Africa, like really awesome work and uh, Stuart Smith and Niels van der Berg and um, I don't know, there's a bunch of guys that just all of a sudden this forging thing just exploded out that shit out as well and it just got crazy. It just got this whole thing of making just exploded. That's that's how I experienced it on this side. Mm-hmm. But then a guy would roll around and it would be like shit. And it would be such an inspiration and it would be, I would lay awake in patterns. And I remember the first time you mentioned my name was when I did a pattern that you did. And you said, this Kenning Wilkinson guy is a badass. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and you said, oh, I didn't just figure that out, buddy. It took me like a month to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> a very little sleep for like a month to figure out how you did that the thing is if we can have if we can keep on in, in do better and to do more crazy patterns and crazy from designs and I, I the sky's the limit can you imagine i don't think there'll ever be an end to it because there's always going to be guys like you around that just will envelope that little further open and the envelope's just getting bigger and bigger and and i'm very 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 thankful that i can be part of that yeah when guys tell me on instagram that my work inspires them it i don't know how to take that i don't know how to tell you how that makes me feel it's amazing it's right. an amazing feeling to yeah. know that i'm i'm one of the guys that, that is inspiring other people like the big guys to do the crazy stuff that i sometimes attend sure but i don't know this is such a special thing for me i get all I don't know. I'm a big guy, but I've got a really small heart. That's, I don't know. It's, it's no, you're a big guy, big... but you have a bigger heart. <laughs> I don't know. Most guys say a big I don't know. I just, maybe I should just go and check my hormones again. I think my estrogen <laughs> might be a little bit high. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm there. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm a very sensitive guy. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I'm on the same program as you where. I'm constantly trying to push myself and I'm I'm comfortable putting stuff out there because 
to me, it's actually kind of, it's a different way of challenging, like you challenge yourself by doing all these insane fit-ups and all this kind of stuff, in addition to your pattern welding and everything else. For me, the way I'm challenging myself is I'm kind of like giving it away. And then I'm like, all right, well, what can I come up with next? And I'm still, I still have, I have pages and pages of patterns that I haven't made yet because I haven't had the time to do them. Um, but I, I, part of, I, I've said this before, but part of the reason I put stuff out there too is to selfishly kind of see what people do with that, how they put their little twist on it. And then that kind of re-inspires me or I see something. I'm like, Ooh, I didn't think of that. Just even though maybe they followed it step by like to the T step by step, but because of the original organization of the pattern. Uh, of the layers was different than mine just slightly or somehow different lines line yeah. up in a different way and i'm like oh i didn't even think about that and then it then it's just a continuous cycle of being re-inspired and inspiring and and i yeah i'm right there with you though i'm like i'm, I'm trying to put stuff out there to help others um and I, I don't know how to take it either sometimes i you know i i do i get messages as well like you inspired me to start knife making and blah, like all these kind of like really incredible messages and i struggle with like me just being like well i'm just like some ding dong who 10 years ago was like washing dishes and cooking in restaurants right and now i'm like i'm like this person who's kind of seen as a a, a a leader in a way, especially when it comes to like Damascus patterns and stuff like that, or maybe some of my stuff, chef's knife stuff, but especially the Damascus patterns. And I honestly, like, I don't know why, like, I don't know why my brain works this way. I can look at any pattern and I can figure it out in about 10 seconds, maybe a minute and a half at the most, <laughs> but, but it's just, I can just see it. And I think, but really like a lot of that comes from making mistakes. But not only making mistakes, but learning from those mistakes, right? It's so crucial. Yeah. And that has really informed me and educated me in a big way. A friend of mine used to call it knife maker tuition. Whenever he'd make a mistake or fuck something up, yeah. and like he just chalk it up to knife maker tuition. He's like, you better learn your mistake because it's going to be expensive if you have to do that again and again and again. And that's really like, <laughs> that's also goes, <laughs> like, it speaks to life too. Like, real, realistically, like, the same challenges keep getting put in front of us over and over again until we learn those lessons. Right. And it's the same thing with this craft and, with, and it's this work. And so it's, it's being trying to be thoughtful and be in a position and willing and open to learn. Um, because if you, if you box yourself in and try to like protect yourself and armor yourself, you're limiting your growth, you know? Yeah. And, it's one of the things I learned from Steve when he was out there. Mm. Is we were sitting in my shop. He said, Come in. I've heard that you do your grinding in a different way. I was like, What do you mean a different way? Because I only grind my hand. I've got no jigs. I've got false edges, but that's just because I can't line that little false edge up every time. I just, sure. I'll do that with a jig. Yeah. And immediately, oh, I don't know that I'd do it differently, but I'll show you. And I said, to him, well, let me show you. And I showed him. And he came out of the grinding room. He just ground up this little 
told him and he looked at me and he said, you know what? I'm going to grind like you from now on. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is the long, longest serving master smith in the He's going to grind the way I do. And I said that to him. I said to him, remember one thing that even the newest mm. knife maker craft, even guys that aren't knife makers can look at your stuff and go, well, if you do so I've literally come to the point where I don't dismiss anybody. I'll stand there and I'll take notes. I'll write it down if the guy starts start talking to him. The moment, that's why, and this is probably not the best thing to do when you guess in, in a couple of months, but I used to, I, I'm Master Smith. I don't like it at all because it implies that a master everything is done. It's like there's, mm. there's nothing left for this guy to learn. No, I don't like that um, because you'll never master this. It's just too big. Right. Every time, oh, now I can do stone work. Oh, there. Well, now you should have a look at this. This is like sure. in there, and the next thing is like, oh, and then you speak to John Oregon. He goes, yeah, I put a bit of gold. Excuse me. He says, yeah, I do gold inside the stone and i was like okay let's do that so, so you'll never ever you'll never ever be a master in this game if, sure if you think you are the moment you think that you're good in this game your game will grinding street screech and you won't grow you won't learn i mean there's always someone out there that's going to teach you something. If you, you, if you think that you're good, if you, you think that you've reached anything in it, you need to stay humble. You need to keep on looking at what other guys are doing and be willing to take criticism on your work from anybody. Right. I don't care who, who the guy is. Um, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a guy come over 11 years old the other day. Day. and I've got a bunch of art knives that I keep for myself and I took and this kid looked at my knife and he went well you know what it doesn't really suit the theme of the rest of the knife because it's a Persian knife so I was like okay. who, who the like, <laughs> yeah you're right this kid's 100 that pommel doesn't fit on that knife I've got to make I've got and it, I've got to figure out a new way to do that pommel. Yeah. And I said to him, where do you principal on PlayStation? And none of the knives on there looks like your pommel. And I was like, okay. well, here you go. 11-year-old kid that's never touched a knife and he's with me out of, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to figure out. And sure. if, if you can learn from kids, it's like that, and you can take every piece as a positive. The ups and downs, the valleys become so much shallower. I don't know if, mm. if, you, if you saw that post of mine that I got. Uh, um, just it was about December month, and I got a, everything done on it, and I hardened the blade and a crack in it. 
and I made that joke about posting more of my crack on. <laughs> Not that type of crack, you assholes. This type of crack. <laughs> if, you can, if you can be positive about your mistakes, the value you just glide over them. They don't even bother you. And yeah. I mean, I found that crack. And years ago, I would be like, okay, how do I work around that crack? Can I make it longer? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I? And then a couple of months, a couple of years ago, I had the same thing happen. I don't even remember I did that, that main gush, that left-handed dagger with the carved uh, um, uh, guard. Yeah, that one, that one. This one on the screen. I did that piece and I, um, <laughs> and, and um, I etched the blade and it wouldn't etch. And I was like, I'm right there. I'm done with the thing. I just need to edge it together and I'm finished. And that evening I'm lying in bed and I, everything comes back to faith for me. And I said, God, why wouldn't that thing edging right? I tempered it. I did everything. And as loud as I can, he said in my head, you just need to make it better. And I took it and I, the next morning, I was steel that came out better. I cut a perfect fuller down that thing that was better than the one before. Ricasso sort of looked like it's going over the blade. And when I assembled the two blades, I, I took the one and I assembled it and I looked at it, the previous, the other one. I was like, okay, that's why it happened. It, it needs to be better. Whenever I made a mistake, like whenever I screwed up something, I was like, okay, this isn't a screw up. This number one, I've learned, and number two, now I can make it better. If you, it's all about it how you think about stuff, it's all about how you the hit. So, like, okay, I've screwed up now. What am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and cry about it for the next gonna say, okay, it's screwed up. I mean, that last one, I looked at the like that, I found it. I looked it on a light on. I looked at it. I threw it down, and I walked right out the door. I started cutting up material, stacking up material, and by, by the next afternoon, I had a new blade ground and to get put together. Because right. you, if you put the energy into, no, oh, no, no, I screwed it up for two days, and then you got that energy going, you're not gonna so take that same energy and it. Right. Comes up better. That's that's something I definitely need to work on because I find myself agonizing, and I think it's I struggle, I struggle with that because I I, I struggle with uh, perfectionism, and I'm like all of a sudden like I made a mistake, and now I'm the biggest fuck up ever, and how am I how am I going to move forward? How, and and I've been trying to learn how to just like be little take it a little easier on myself because mis like to to think that you can get through this craft or honestly most anything in life without ever making a mistake is foolish you're there are always going yeah. to be mistakes made always it's just being in a in the better place to roll with it and learn from it and move forward um 
so that either you don't make those mistakes in the future or you know how to fix them if they happen again. It's less of an issue. Like if it happens, then it happens, whatever. I mean, I've learned so much because if you if you look at it as a screw up and you're okay and you you don't let it drag you down mm-hmm. okay i've screwed up now why did that happen how did i screw that up? what was the what happened what and the next time you do do it it just it's like and then you do exactly the same thing again and then you screw up and it's like okay why did that happen and then the next time you do it it's like 90 percent. it's like like when i when i did the first kill it took me a week to fit that damn knife i sit down <laughs> and six hundred dollars worth of hand materials <laughs> yeah I, and back, back then it was like okay i, I can do a kill but only in this material and then Four months later, I was like, I'm going to do it in ivory. And I did it. And then the very next step was like, okay, I've, I was able to do it in ivory. I wonder if I could do it in mammoth I'm going to do one in mammoth mode. And then I did one in mammoth mode. Mm. And now I can do a handle in a morning. I can sit down wow. and get, get it done. And um, But the thing is, this is another thing. It's like guys are certain things in the right way because it's it's just it's like when you fit a god, okay, stupid thing, pet peeve, it pisses me off to no end. Is when when the guys take a file guide to it and they bring all the way around the guide or all the way around the blade, around the tang. Yeah. Now you've got a perfect fit. It looks really, really nice. But now you design a knife that doesn't have a flat. Now you literally got to fit that thing going in there. And you can't because you've been doing that for the last five years. You've been and getting it to fit. And yeah, yeah, it's not the easiest harder route. But if you take the harder route and you figure out out how to do it and you get it really really it becomes easy it's like doing right. some of the weird fit ups that i do how did you do this why did you design this thing this way but then when you're done with it that's something that's something that yeah. will stay around long, long after i'm gone people are going to look at this and go yeah yeah that yeah. that must have taken a bit of hard work if you if you do that hard work, it becomes easier and e- easier and hard. I mean, that's I, what I remember I, doing. My that's first how thing. integrals work for me. Yeah. I, if, yeah. When I first started integrals, I was like, oh, God, this is such a pain in the ass. And it got to a point where it was so easy that when I went back to doing full tang, I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> it's it's actually easier for me to do an integral now <laughs> than to do a full tang knife with like with guard, like with a with a like not like bronze guard or sorry, not guard, but bolster and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this stupid crap. I just I just I'm I'm good at grinding. So like I'd rather just sculpt it. <laughs> yeah. But, and because you did 
the hard thing and you took the hard stuff became easier and now you are a better maker for it and, mm. and you can even look at it. i mean i i firmly believe if you if you find it you and he's guiding you to drive your guards on with a, a hammer from the back go and find someone else <laughs> go and find <laughs> somebody that'll show you the finer ways of doing it because it's tough once you've figured out the little rules and stuff around them then it becomes really easy you can do whatever you want that's what this whole thing is about for me is drawing making what i've drawn if i've designed this weird god being able to because the the tougher it gets get when i pull it off so, mm. but I've, I've said that before but i mean that i love the thing of doing stuff that people that that yeah that's because that just makes it the next time that i do it i'll go that's easy i can do that i can take yeah. that on i can yeah it's like there's so much <laughs> to that approach to your approach of uh of guard making guard fitting and knife making that i'm so unfamiliar with i definitely want to come down i would love to come down and work with you and we can we can oh, play damascus we can we can do some that would be handles that would be amazing that would put me in, put me in heaven really nice it was like when i was when i went out to um to work with steve last year man that yeah. was amazing able to work with the guy that inspired you to well, no sorry that came out stupid like, like oh, <laughs> inspired me to do what i do was it was a real real having him as a friend is really and he's done this a thousand times that man in, in every way he's like my second yeah. father um, yeah um, i okay. often phone this is a knife related so shut up and listen and he'll come back with a good answer and over okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah. he's a good man yeah, I, i'm i'm look yeah. i'm looking for i'm but i dude, think i'm going to be working with him in uh in april but yeah yeah i want to get down there i would love to come down there stuff together mm -hmm. it would be awesome would be really really awesome because it i get on the blower now and i say listen guys mareko's coming down and he's gonna be you would have enough money to see south africa <laughs> really really you that you would okay. you would probably be working harder here than you would be in, in yeah, that's for sure no but that's it's that's the funny part like teaching and traveling and demonstrating that is that's easier for me than just making my own knives i mean some you know sometimes doing my own knives is just fine and, and smooth but when i'm doing the work for fun rather than than because i'm trying to pay my bills it's so much more enjoyable yeah. to do and obviously like you know teaching you get paid to teach and stuff but at the same time like it's it's the stuff that i already do through like social media um but it's in person, right? 
or through my Patreon That's here, good. you know. Yeah. Look, what I, I've done is agree about Bills, this whole, the way I, I view the Bills is just like eBay. I want to have some fun. And mm -hmm. I have some fun and at the end of it. And yeah, I know the feeling that it's like, well, shit, it's crunch time, Bills. Like, you know what? If they switch my power off, I'll go without it for a week and carve this handle until it's done. And yeah, it just makes it easy. probably not the best way to look at it, but that's the way <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, I don't care. You send me a bill, I'm gonna get paid when I'm paid. That's it, right? I feel you. What yeah, are do you have some projects coming up that you're really excited about? You, you're that, uh. Because I saw that you did, oh, what was it? The Unnamed Society Knife, which was a sick piece. Yeah. You did a really great job on that. And that's that, that the handle scales, how you had those, got those fit up. Um, I mean, I know how you did it, but that is a really unusual and challenging fit up. I can't, I, I don't have the skills to do that. You And I think that's where your machinist skills come in in creating those wild fit ups. Here's another one that's somewhat similar. Um, where basically the hand, it's like a, a flip tang, but it's a sub hilt and the handle scales, uh, wrap around from the front and the back. And it also has a bottom pommel and it's just nuts. I just, I remember the first time I saw this thing, I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but then you gave a hint on how you did it on your Instagram. I was like, oh, I got it now. But still, holy shit, that's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Look, if, if, when it's shaped, when it's rounded, it, it's a lot of work. It's like, but if that, and you're fitting flat to flat, I'm, it, it gets a lot of, um, but then when you round it out and you round the handle, guys always go, you fit that going around there. I didn't. I just fitted it. It flat, made sure that it fitted when I shaped the handle. Um, so when it's flat, it makes it a lot easier. Knife and the the unnamed society knife that's actually scales and form over the the actual tang because that that right. line that goes through it basically a full tang. If you think about that, it's machined out with the band of full tang and then i machined the full tang down and then oh. made the handle sort of yeah that's another knife that was a it's another sub um uh, but that was an integral sub -built. um yeah that one was that one i made during COVID. okay um it was a knife that I wanted to make for a very, very, very long time. Uh, mine's collection. So yeah, I want to do. Um, want to see if I can do something like that for. Um, I want to do a nice, another left-handed dagger. I, I love doing. I love making them. It was like. It was the first knife that I really, really just said anything. I want to put everything I can into it. I'm gonna, I want to. Carve, have an, 
an ounce of gold in it. I want an ounce of gold in it. And right. it was the best, best thing I've ever attempted to do, mate. Um, so I want to do it, maybe. And then, like I said, I'm busy doing my JS knives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys are giving me a bit of, like, dude, you can't do that for your JS. And I was like, I'm not going to do that type of knife for my JS. I'm going to make them be really, really special because I believe my job is to keep on stuff that, and if I don't pass, so be it. But I'm going to make five knives just to get in, to get my JS stamp. I'm not going to do that. I'll make five knives and I'll have some crazy fit ups and I'll have everything I do well, I'll have in there except my Damascus, which <laughs> working with working with handles like stuff, dude it's it's not fun <laughs> it really isn't fun for me this, right. no, this, this would be so much better if it was patent welded you know what sure but anyway that's not so yeah I'm, I'll be testing for Jay so that's gonna be that's gonna be good and then uh, it's like you I've got a couple of patterns in my head that I want to get made and get put down and um yeah it's there's a deep me awake at night that I want to sure. <laughs> that I want to get done right so yeah Carl, is Carl Smith still alive yeah yeah he's um yeah he, he my son's uh, primary school where my son and my daughter they used to go mm. um he's really Really, really cool guy. Uh, dude, that guy was like, yeah, he's got for knife making. I remember making a knife. I, I designed this thing. Dude, when this thing's done, you got to phone me. Says, don't don't wait. Phone me immediately. I finished at like two in the morning. And I was like, God, I said I should phone him. And I took my phone like, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring it over. I want to see it. He was like, Oh yeah, okay. Just bring it over. I want to this in the morning, in the middle of the work week, and he's got his wife up making us some tea. And he's like, "Yeah, this is nice. I like this." So he he was a big part. He was like, "Okay, yeah, this guy's really, really into what I'm doing." And always be honest. He was like, "No, this doesn't work." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll work. And um, yeah, I've said to him a thousand times: get an Instagram, just put one, just put the front cover on there, and sure. that you sell more of those books that you, you that you can print. And he's just like, no, it's okay, I'll. But they, um, yeah, it's a, he's a good guy. He's still alive. Yeah, I think I I need to get some of those, or might maybe I'll talk to. Uh... Cause, cause they're not available in the U.S. I think the last time, the only time I've ever seen that book was I was at Bill Burke's house. Oh my God, I'm trying to think when, 2014 or 15 or something like that, and Mike Quisenberry was there and he had one of those books from Carl Smith, and 
And I, I can't remember where he, he, he got it from somebody else or found it randomly. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. He ordered it offline. He found it online and he ordered it offline. And then he had to wait like yeah, they, a month or two to ship it and or just to get it there. And and so for him, it was a very precious book. And so we we were all it was like me and, and Bill Burke and Mike Quisenberry and Shane Taylor and um, Eric Fritz and and David Lish. And and we're just all like hovering, looking over the book or taking turns looking at the book. I really liked it. And um, it. it the th I think the thing that it, the things or the patterns that really helped me to kind of wrap my head around better were twist patterns. Um, because yeah. up to that point in 2014 or 15, whichever it was, I could reverse engineer most basically any mosaic pattern and a lot of other simple patterns and ladder patterns and stuff like that. But, um, but the twists still confused me. And then, and so that book was the start of my understanding. And then when I was at Dragon's Breath Forge, where those guys do a lot of twist patterns, it finally started to click. And and just seeing, honestly, seeing seeing more twist patterns in general uh, and seeing what they yeah. started as and then seeing how they reveal in the blade, I'm like, oh, I get, I see how the pattern transfers through the activity yeah. of the twisting, uh, which is a trick. But yeah, that would be a really great book to have as a reference. I've I've talked about, the idea of putting together a book um but problem is i'm not a writer i'm not a i'm not a primary school teacher i'm sometimes i don't even know if i'm a very good teacher in general um, but i do think i have a lot of stuff to share that i think would be very helpful and useful to people all the explanations that i've watched of you doing patterns really easy to understand because mm -hmm. the detail is they don't leave a step out. It's like, this is perfect. So, okay. like, I remember doing, when, go on YouTube and the guy's like, oh, this is how you do it. And you watch the whole video and you do exactly what he does. He skipped the part. <laughs> and he goes and you figure it out in the end and he's like, he skipped the huge part. But your stuff is, if you do it the same way that you did, um, dude, I think everybody, and their brother would buy on on sure. battening. Really, I yeah. would. I'd be when Carl did that book. He was doing the book and he was showing me as he was doing it. And, and um, I'm getting my books on Friday. I was like, okay, I'll see you Friday. Literally sitting at his house. There was nobody there. I was waiting on my own at his house, and he pulled in the. I want my book. <laughs> give me my book <laughs> and i bought the first drop and, oh, and wow. by my dog it's been it, it caught fire once or twice falling on it and i've i've used that thing a, a thousand times okay that's that's what you missed that's what you need to do mm -hmm. because it's so plain it, it really is a good book but what, what i'll do is i'll get you one i'll get you one one and I'll bring it out to Blade to you as a present because I get a Christmas card from you every year in <laughs> in August. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, you got to make sure it. Carl signs it though. I would love for him to sign it. 
I'll do that for you. Thank you. I'll That's do that. Man. I'll make sure that you guys sign it. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring. It. So yeah, do your book, dude. I'll be, I'll be the first one. You, you're gonna have to beat me with a stick, not to. I'll definitely take. I'll take a couple. <laughs> it gets lost in the post. <laughs> It'll yeah, be maybe good. we'll have to do it. I'll yeah. try to time the publishing so that uh, I can hand it off a blade show or something like that. That'd be good. You need to get on that book. That'll be good for you. Yeah. And um, yeah, dude, I space the space. You gotta get your ass over here and we get it we gotta work together. When I come out of Blade Show one year, maybe go home with you and go and ruin your shop for like <laughs> go and see if you can make <laughs> I like working at other people's shops. I'm, yeah, I'm good on other would... people's tools. And I like when I when I'm teaching people and showing people stuff, I like to show them in their own shops with the tools that they have available to them because it's not very useful to a person if they come to my shop and use my tools and my specific setup, but then they go back to their shop and they don't have all that same stuff. I'd rather go to somebody else's shop and work with them at their shop. So yeah, like and if we can or organize a class, then that would help uh you know offset yeah. the the cost of travel and everything coming down there a class or two or something i don't know it'd be fun yeah it's exactly what we did with um we did the uh, um a master's class and uh, that one day course he had well no sorry it was a two day course uh money that he didn't pay for anything over there um yeah he stayed with me on the, we took him everywhere and everything he bought was bought with that money and yeah in time geez I, I i can't remember laughing that hard i was at guild show and i couldn't off voice from laughing <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant so it is you can come out and maybe do uh, um do a show mm. do a show while afterwards and then um we can We'll ship you all over the country, and you can. See, I'm pretty sure you can bring the wife and kid along. Yeah, or the kids along, and then um, Africa because Africa, South Africa, is an amazing place. It's really, yeah, it's a tough place. Really, it's a beautiful country. Sure, my my yeah. wife has been there once before. Um, but yeah, it would be fun oh, to yeah, take you, her family. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, it's a lock. I would love having you because yeah. I've got a lot of questions that I can. You, yeah, and you can't tell me. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to get on the plane, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do have another question for you. I'm curious, how do you feel? And you've probably touched on it a little bit earlier, but how do you feel like your machining background helps you accomplish unusual or or, or different fit-ups that really help you to set your work apart? Do you feel like your machining skill helps you to fit set your work apart because you can use it in ways that non-machinists can't, basically, to do unique and unusual things? Yeah, I definitely do think that my machining helps me a lot. Um, 
my brain works in a way where I see the machining. I can see how I want to mm. do it. And, and, and that's so my dad is, is a, he's a great tool and I make that's got a very practical approach to machining. But guys, these days, when you speak to guys, I'll go up oh, or get it cut with a wire cutter or, and my, you can get that radius by doing this, or you can machine a circle by, he, he grew up with, or when he was doing his apprenticeship, he was under guys that created stuff that we, we can create now only with like, and these guys were doing it. I mean, my dad, dad was one of the first guys that did uh, a pan. Or, or he knew the guy that did the first Coca-Cola bottle molds. molds. Okay. On a pan. And he oh, saw wow. him working on it. He speak to, I speak to him, the machine's doing this when I'm doing that. And he goes, yeah, put a bag of sand on top. And then you put a bag of sand on it. And then all of a sudden, everything goes away and everything's easy. So it mm. helps a lot with it. But I'm also, I think that I'm very, very patient when it comes mm. to my work. Um, I don't care a lot of time on doing a pattern or this um, thing was to, to learn how to slow, slow down and not make getting it done, but more about getting it done correctly, getting it done to the, that was a, that's a, it's a very tough thing if you want to make money out of it. For sure. But the thing is, you can get it done real quick, Collisford, but get it yeah. done and get it done spectacularly and then you can get $5,000 for it. And, um, it's like forging a piece of material. If you move the direction, you've literally lost what you wanted. Right. Yeah. Like I said to you, when I saw Steve's work the first time, that happened. That thing of, of ask us course, I've got this thing where I, I say to the guys, your mantra is slow your roll and count your blows. And by slow down, forge a little bit less at a time and make sure that you count your blow forging this thing exactly the same on all four sides or mm. whatever the pattern might be. Yeah. I think those two, two things combined, the, the, the machining part about it, the, the patient, the being able to be, to, to get what I want. Um, that's, that's what's really setting my work. And then also what I did was um, in the world trade, I would still want to make knives. So I, I remember the one day I was working, walking into a shop that sells books and I found, I think annual, I think it was a uh, 1995 or something and all. Okay. And I'd always have a sketch pad 
in my in my kit pads and pencils and some oval stencils and stuff. Yeah. And, um, I can't remember who it was by. I can remember it. Uh, shit, what, uh, he was Mike Quisenberry's uh, teacher. Uh, oh, uh, Tim Hancock. A big bow. He used to be. Yeah, Tim Hancock. And it was just like, why is this knife that Tim Hancock made so much more, more spectacular than the... And I, I was obsessed by this knife and I started drawing it. Mm -hmm. I literally got this weird feeling about... I've got to get this drawing exactly be this it would pay a dishonor to the knife if I didn't get it right. Mm. And clip line that I drew in and the clip would it just wouldn't look <sighs> then eventually I got it right and I was like, Oh, that's what he's done. Doing this and you could pick up the proportion on the blade and everything just came together. I realized where hold on i'm onto something here and, and I, I i found the next nice knife that thing and i drew it exactly the way that that it was in the picture mm -hmm. and then i did them three years four years just sitting there and me and finding out why it speaks to me and what is it saying mm. yeah and you pick up so much when you study those designs like that it's like, why does he use this handle material here? And why does he put a little liner in there? And why file work work on this knife? Right. And that made a big difference. That knife made. Because I was always, I, think... I was making other people saying, okay, I like that. But I'm going to, I'm mm. going to tweak it a little bit and then I'm going to call it mine. So, Doing that, that can, and that, and that's something that anybody can do. You got to draw it so that it looks exactly like the picture that you're looking at. Right, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that, but that, I think that does make really good sense to me. And I think that is something that I, honestly I really enjoy about your work is I I really like the proportions and the lines and the flow of the lines and everything. Like even this handle we, we were just showing a second ago, um, the way the line you know it could curve in a lot of different ways, but the way that you you did make the kind of where uh, it comes down from the sub hilt down to the pommel um that part of the steel that's exposed to the handle it's it's so nice and it flows so naturally um and yeah i just i really love that but it it makes a lot of sense and, and uh that that's what you do and, and i can see it you know i see it in your work that you're very thoughtful this is a, another this is a dagger of yours um where you've done a lot of i don't what do you even call that it's is it engraving uh, down at the bottom at the pommel and up at the guard or is that a different technique what's that called that's uh, uh, it's sort of deeply re relief it's fire i file it and, and I, okay. I work it with the the georic engraver and i mm. i've got like rifler files that i use on it sure um it's just 
you draw the lines and then you, you after a while you you sort of get an idea in your look like in 3d and then right as it grows you sort of okay i this year and a little bit more of that there but once again it's one of those things that you've when i started doing a, it was a scary scary thing because sure i've just put in four now i'm gonna i might be screwing it up or it might be better <laughs> right yeah and out of 10 it, it turns out better because you just but the, the thing is you got to be that there was a that was a nightmare because i had and carved it with um with little, little burrs and gyrus engraver and and with files and all sorts of stuff and halfway through said to me um what size hammers are you using i'm like what do you mean i'm not using a hammer on that at all <laughs> and he says no 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 you you use these little hammer punches on what are you talking about john and he Call him Fat Boy, and Fat Bastard. <laughs> <Okay>. But anyway, <laughs> so I was like, Fat Boy, what are you talking about? Fauna's got this website. He's got bunches of videos on there, and you can. And I was literally that thing. And I remember I'm working Sunday morning for like four hours, and my back was killing me. And I was like, Okay, I'm done. And I go into the living room and I get on the computer and I find, find Samuel. I've got to pay, pay for this video and I pay for it and I start watching it. And I go, Jonathan, you should have told me about this like two years ago. <laughs> and it's literally hammer <laughs> points to move the material where you want to. And yeah. Sam explains it so that the next carvings that I did and the next work that i did it's just easier so sure go and do yourself a favor i think it's a, a, i don't know 50 dollars for the video it's worth every cent i watch okay. that thing a hundred times over because it's it, it makes it so much easier but who is it again the thing about doing stuff like sam alfano sam alfano sam i can't alfano. remember the web okay site, but okay Look, he's, he's got a, um, there's a whole bunch of videos that you, you pay for them, um, online. Um, okay. the, the thing behind with a C about that type of work is the, the, the design work that goes in and like with that saw build, I think I got a month. I literally sat with my iPad every night when I was finished. The wife and the kids would be watching television and I'd be drawing. I'd be sitting there drawing. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to make it the way it is. I made it and it was like, yeah, I like it. I, I started filing it and started shaping it. And then I was like, okay, I like this. This is it sat in, your, in the way it felt when you held it, and the way, the way that little line was just about it was just okay. That's but the thing is, don't be afraid to spend time, afraid to sit there and literally go, okay, 
I need to spend some really serious time. It makes a huge difference to what you're making. Right. Uh, um, if it was a knife, was a knife, then we'd all be making the same knife. But you've got to, and if you if you don't know how to design, learn and learn how to design. Do right. it on paper. Don't, because everybody's making knives, and then they get on their iPads and. Oh, thanks, honey. My wife still loves me. Maybe. <laughs> that's sweet you, you've got to if you want to you've got to learn how to design um, a couple of years I told him I gave him the tip to go and design a knife or to find a knife that he, until you get it right and then what he did is he went and made it and some and Veronique found out that he had copied one of the knives, and this was it was a big thing in South Africa because and internationally because Veronique was very and because I knew her sort of, I reached out to her and I said to Veronique, I I really do. I knew because you put so much effort into the design, and then it's mine or doesn't give mm -hmm. credit, but that wasn't it. That was, he wanted to create one of her knives to see if it could, and then he just, in his stupidity, posted it online without mm -hmm. saying, "This is a very line that I just made to see if I can." And that was the mistake that he made. But the thing, is, if you look at a reaction, you understand the amount of effort. That was a it was a proper reaction. And sure. Yeah. I can't emphasize this enough. If you don't design the thing until it's perfect, perfect, it, it's not right. going to happen. Yeah. Like guys come here and okay, what do you want to make? I want to make a hunting knife. Go, okay, let's go and sit down and draw it. And I'll draw it, and it's nice. And I go, what? A, there's something. Thing that you don't like about it. No, I, I really, really like it. I said, no, 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 I can see that. Yeah, I'd like it if it was that and that. And then you draw it again and then I go, okay. And then we go, okay, let's let's start making this. And then when it's done, the guys that we took the time to go and design this thing to the point that it was perfect. Go, okay, there hmm. we go. Biggest lesson of them all. Design it until it's perfect. And then go and make it, and then you've got, you really, you're going to end up with something special. Yeah. I really like that. Earlier you mentioned, and it's, and you kind of finished just now with kind of some of the same philosophy, but it's it, it, the taking the time to do it right and that you've slowed down a lot. And I honestly have found myself slowing down a lot more um, as, as I get more experience in knife making and, and blade finishing um and i do i have friends and i'm sure you have friends or see people who put a lot of hard work and effort in for up to about like maybe the 75 percent, 80 percent mark and then they just rush through the end of it just to finish it and i'm like you already put like yeah 
all this work and effort into it. Why would you just rush through it just to get it done? Yeah. And it, and you you might be able to get more for it. You might not. But I think for for me, it's it's my it's kind of like I I have to. I, I'm not learning anything personally. I'm not gaining anything personally, um, growth wise, by just racing through the end of it. And yeah, and I, I, every knife is kind of a, a lesson for me in the craft of knife making. And part of me, I actually, once I hit that 75%, 80% mark, I actually slowed down even yeah. more to make sure that the final touches are just right so that I feel proud and confident about what I'm putting out there into the world. Cause you know, what happens if I die the next day? And that's the last thing I put out was just some raced through the end piece of shit. And I was like, you know, these, these are a part of me, no matter what you want. Like they're not my flesh and blood, but they, it's my, my soul and my mind and my, my energy and time has been poured and my thoughts have been poured into creating this thing. I want to slow down to make it the best it can be. Yeah. Um, before sending it out the door. Obviously, you got to draw the line somewhere. You are otherwise we'll never finish a knife. But, but racing through the end of it yeah, never makes sense to me. That's the thing. Yeah, legacy. Yeah, it's about leaving something behind that's worth more than if it's the last piece that you've made. Does it sum up your life? Is it like did he really, really take the last little bit of effort to make this? Yeah, I think look in such an amazing experience for me because I've learned so much about myself and about sure. seeing life for what it is. And it can be a tough life or it can be what I've made of it and said, listen, I did something really, really special for me and for everyone everybody that a piece from me or buys a piece from me i love it when guys buy my stuff and go henning thank you very much it's it's an amazing mm. feeling and to think that you've made something that's going to smith than your kids money or, or i mean we're all gonna we're all gonna die so that's the thing you don't know when it's gonna be and it's like you said if that's the last piece that i make that i rush through yeah, the guys. If you learn one thing, is really well, because everybody looks at that. Everybody looks at your fits, and yeah, this works. Or yeah. he's um, he's just trying to get it done. It's easy when the guy's just trying to get it done. Sure. Using electricity in the next couple of minutes, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just noticing the time too. I've um I've set up a light and everything, so if you want to try and carry on, we can try and give you one handle. I don't mind. Just no, no, no. I think. Yeah, no. I think we did a good job. I think we had a great conversation. I think your wife also just brought your dinner into you, <laughs> <laughs> or a glass of whiskey. A of oh, okay. A little bit more than a cup of tea, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
No, I, I, I really appreciate your insight and in, in to get a better understanding of your background and your story. It really means a lot to me. Uh, it's always been really important. I don't know why, but it's just always been something I've been really intrigued um, about when it comes to just people in general, especially people I, I feel a strong connection with. Um, you know, you and I don't really know each other that well, but I do feel like we're very good friends and I could talk to you about anything yeah. really. And and so it's it's important to me to kind of gather these stories for myself but also you know i think it's important for there to be some sort of record too of who these makers are where they come from what their story is how they got there where they want to go um their hopes and dreams for the future and lessons learned and all that kind of stuff um so that future generations future people entering the craft can um, can take something from it hopefully i think what you're doing is really important because if you if, if my story can make it easier of makers or just the guy that's now anybody that's listening to it yeah. or a guy that's just started going full-time and he doesn't know how to break out and get what you sure. said or to what anybody else has said I think it's stuff out there because when I started making, there was nothing like that. I had Coral, mm. which I'm teaching, yeah, an immense amount. And um, but there's not a lot of guys that have. And uh, I think what you're doing with, with these podcasts is you getting a lot of information to and making it freely available to a bunch of guys that want to be makers and the, doing this. The more it's going to grow, it's like Steve says, back it's going to be ten times bigger than when you shared it. And, yeah. and this is what you're doing. Yeah. And I I really appreciate the chance to share my story on on this. I mean, you've done a really good job of it, and it's, it's grown. It's been a big thing. And hopefully, even if it just helps out one guy, I'm happy. I'm happy. Absolutely. I feel the same. I really appreciate. No, and I, I feel I'm very thankful for and thank you for sharing all your work, dude. It yeah. made a huge difference when I went. <laughs> I had to make patterns that I've never seen in my life, and I was like, okay, if Mareko can do the shit, I can do a little tile job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> piece of pattern well, let's do it. You can but, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, my friend. Thanks. Appreciate absolutely and thank you everybody um especially uh everybody on over on the patreon who helped to make this podcast uh a reality especially the super sponsors and everybody at the illuminated uh individual level and higher uh when you pledge at that level you get to be part of the conversation ask questions um and 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 you know catch these live streams live and all the good stuff as well as the discord and everything else on the patreon uh i appreciate everybody's support and i thank you and i bid you adieu and until next time we'll see you soon bye-bye thank you all again for joining me for this conversation if you'd like to be part of the discussion come join me and other innovating makers on my patreon at www.patreon.com backslash Malmasi. That's spelled M-A-U-M-A-S-I. I look forward to chatting with you there. Cheers.